RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, Tim Loy. Welcome to another edition of the Valor Hour. I'm your host, Tim Loy, and it is a post-fight edition from Valor 77. That means it's recaps and reactions as uh, we will be rejoined by our panelists here and uh, recap all the fights that went down from VFC 77. That was this past Saturday night from the world-famous Cotton Eye Joe. It was the only game in town, folks. Uh, No other MMA shows in the entire uh, country of the United States uh, that whole weekend. So uh, that was kind of cool to be able to, to be, uh, to be the only show going, have a lot of eyes on us. I was looking at some of our, our pay-per-view demographics and uh, we had 21 different countries tuning in a lot of Europeans uh, even had, yeah, even had them all the way over in, uh, in India watching. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Of course, we're going to go through all the fights. We're going to recap what happened as well as our picks panel who all joins us now. Uh, Of course, my co-host Justin Watson also uh, joining us now on the picks panel, uh, Jeff Hobbs, Hannah Rosario and, your new uh, undisputed VFC welterweight professional champion, Greg Hopkins. We'll talk more about that, of course, as we get into it. Uh, Justin, uh, how's it going, my man? It uh, it was uh, your 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 duty was light at this last show. Only two fights going to a decision, but still a great night all the same. Yeah, man, you, you can't uh, can't beat that. I got to to watch some great fights and uh, didn't have to work too much, so that was a hell of a show. The crowd was great. Um, it was, it was a good weekend, man. Hannah, you got to watch this thing uh, from home. Uh, uh, so you'll have a little different perspective than the rest of us that were there in person. You got to see some different angles, got to hear the commentary along with it. Uh, before we get into the the, the uh, fight by fight breakdown, your overall impressions on the event from uh, your aspect uh, watching from home. Oh, yeah. Um, all the fights were very entertaining. I especially enjoyed the female fight. Like, um, Christina Ricker, she is just, uh, has the mentality of a fighter. I mean, she was just, you know, taking hits and just throwing them back the whole time. I think that was probably my favorite fight out of all of them that I watched, but it was, it looked like a great show. I wish I was there in person. Jeff, of course, uh, you were uh, leading the festivities throughout the night. One of these events where we had to, uh, you know, we, we were able to take our time a little bit more where we were we were down to nine bouts, uh, able to kind of uh, make it a little bit more of a, uh, uh, a, a, a lengthy evening, if you will. So it wasn't like we were just, you know, running them out like uh, cattle, like, like we were uh, apt to do with those amateurs from time to time. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it was really kind of like my first time. It felt like because... Um, uh, I didn't have anything to drink, so I was seeing it. I was seeing it through different eyes this time around. I, uh, I feel like I remember everything. Um, but yeah, man, it was uh, you know besides the night, it was it was also kind of an odd night. It was weird just because we were there was a lot of pressure on the promotion uh, with the uh, state being there and uh, extra backup from the state there watching. A lot of eyes on us. Uh, every aspect of the uh, how the show was run. Uh, so there was some pressure, you know, we had to kind of be on our toes and, and be on, uh, be on our a game, which, you know, I feel like the, uh, the team always is, but, uh, there was that added pressure. And I think we, uh, I think we pulled it off beautifully, man. Um, 
you know, the, uh, the state had made a comment or two during the night that, uh, that they really felt that uh, we did everything the way we uh, were supposed to and everything that was within the promotion's control. Um, we did uh, above and beyond what their expectations were. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a different night, man. Like I said, slowing it down, not really rushing things, uh, coming out of the cage in between fights and, and you know, giving time for commentary to really, uh, you know, dive into the upcoming matches. Um, so it was, a, it was a different feel for sure, man. Um, uh, but, you know, I told you before we got started, we, we had some concerns about how many fights had dropped off the card. And, and you know, you looked at it going, damn, you know, we only got 10 fights. Damn, we only got nine fights. And uh, I think it was, uh, Tim, actually your wife I was talking to uh, before the show. And I just remember the old Silverado's days when I was matchmaking and, and I wanted to shoot myself. I wanted to slip my own wrist because on, on fight day I would go, I've got nine fights. And I'll be damned if those cards like that ended up being the best fights, the funnest fights, and it just seemed like everything worked out perfectly. So uh, it was a great show, man. A great night. Now, Greg, before we, we're not going to really talk about your fight just yet because, you know, we're going to talk about that in the recap. But from a fighter perspective, just overall for, from the event, obviously uh, there was a lot more COVID protocols in place. The state was cracking down a little bit more. They were really more uh, strict about the mask wearing and uh, not being able to have the entire uh, roster in the locker rooms at the same time. Your event, uh, I'm sorry, your perspective on the event overall from a fighter's uh, viewpoint. Um. I, they made it clear. All the rules were, you know, completely clear. There was nothing, there was nothing foggy in between where we knew we were able to do what we weren't able to do. And they made it clear that we were supposed to stay in the locker rooms when we got there. Don't go out and mingle with nobody. Just sit in the locker rooms. And we could see the fights from where we were. And I also liked how we were the second go around. So they, I, I don't know if it was a rule or not, or if we were supposed to wait until they cleared the lockers before we even even showed to the to the uh, to the venue, but I actually like that too, you know, because I wasn't having to mingle and having to sit in the locker room for five hours. But I, I I liked it because I could see perfectly fine from where I was the fights and everything, and uh, I I thought it was really good. Well, let's dive into these fights, man. Uh, of course, uh, to uh, before we get into them, uh, Justin, if you'll recap our scoring. Obviously, we're coming in at zero, but if you'll recap our scoring uh, uh, methodology, if you will. All right. So for the criteria, uh, you get two points for correct picks and one point for um, for choosing the method. Everybody did good this week. Uh, Greg won. He went eight and one with twenty one points. Hobbs and Hannah both went seven and two. Hobbs gets uh, 18 points with four extras, and Hannah gets 17 points. She had three extra points. So a nice close little uh, beginning here as we dive into this season. With only that many fights, everybody's still uh, within striking distance, which is nice, especially when you consider that a win on a fight's worth two points. Uh, And, of course, the February event coming up will be – 
back to running them out like cattle because we've got like 18 fights. So lots of opportunity to make up some points. Let's dive into it. Opening bout was going to originally be a 185-pound bout. Billy Combs unable to make that weight, so we ended up moving up to 200 pounds catch weight between Billy Combs and Chad Finnerty. Billy Combs coming in with seven fights, looking for that first win, not able to get it done tonight or on that night as Chad Finnerty gets the takedown uh, without too much resistance, uh, transitions over to side control and gets the head and arm triangle submission uh, in under a minute, I believe. And uh, I believe everybody was right on their picks there. I'm just going to kind of rotate around to get thoughts on these early fights. Uh, and then we'll touch base on the more uh, on the, the top of the card fights uh, with everyone. But uh, uh, Hannah, you're, uh, you, you know, you're watching this one from home. You know, both of these guys, Chad and Billy, uh, you know, uh, this one go about how you thought it would thought. Did it go about how you thought it would? Well, yeah, um, I expected, I guess we all, I think we all picked Chad to win by TKO. Um, but surprisingly, he showed us that he had like some good um, jiu-jitsu with his ground game as well. Um, I, you know, I expected him to come in immediately and, and get the takedown. And um, from there, he did his work and was able to get the uh, arm triangle and finished. I thought that, uh, you know, obviously uh, Chad looked good. Chad looked fine. I, I thought we would maybe get a little, at least that initial flurry that you're kind of used to getting out of Billy in the before the takedown happens where he's kind of dangerous, at least, you know, throwing something out. Didn't get that this time, unfortunately, uh, as he, you know, he just kind of, you know, it felt like he accepted the takedown. And from there, it was uh, bad business for him. Uh, Justin, did ev- everyone got that one right, except for the method, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Up next, we had Weston Wilson representing uh, Ray Thompson's Upstate Karate out there in Simpsonville, South Carolina, taking on Christian Sanchez, a uh, gym owner down at Claymore Martial Arts and Fitness, or Martial Arts and uh, MMA and Fighting, I think it is, maybe it is. Um, they are down in Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, making the return to the cage after a long time was Christian Sanchez. Uh, looked okay in the initial exchanges, but then it was a nice, uh, a nice straight from Weston Wilson that uh, was the one-punch walk-off knockout um, just about a minute into that fight. Uh, Wilson, a very tall and long guy uh, for the featherweight division, moves to nine and six, uh, transplant from Utah, uh, you know, just uh, very, uh, uh, very crisp striking out there. And that's the reason he moved from Utah to uh, to train with the, the Thompsons, uh, you know, to, to shore up that striking. I was kind of having to watch this fight out of the corner of my eye because I was in conversation with someone. But um, it looked to me like almost like it was a jab that knocked him out at first. But then upon further review, it actually was uh, a straight. But uh, real nice performance from uh, Wes Wilson there, Jeff. He's a guy that I think we could see in some bigger fights uh, coming down the road. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, we talked uh, the other day and kind of tossing around some ideas for Weston Wilson, um, you know, in the region. Um, but I'm like you, it was kind of like one of those, what the hell just knocked him down? You right. Know, kind of, kind of flashes. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, upon further review, kind of, you, you know, he turned it over. You could see it was a straight. Um, you know, Sanchez tried to uh, disagree it, uh, disagree with it for a little bit, but, uh, um, you know, Sanchez had been out for a long time, uh, a really long time. And, um, you know, maybe he just had an itch that he had to scratch. And, and hopefully this, you know, satisfied whatever itch it was he had. Um, I just don't know after that performance if there's, you know, a lot of reason left. If there's anything left for him to prove uh, by getting in there. But uh, Weston's going to be. I think he looked pretty good in it. 
until it's, I felt that he looked really good, and it's just uh, that right was just straight down the middle. I think he hit him with two solid rights. It was just right on the button each time, and it just surprised me, especially where I watched the video from home, that it straight down the middle, right on the chin, it was just done. Okay. All right. Uh, okay, how did we go? How did we go on uh, the methods there? I guess everyone took Wilson, right? Yeah, everybody took Wilson. Hannah and Hobbs both got the extra point with TKO. All right. Up next was supposed to be uh, the pro debut of Dan Bailey taking on uh, Brian Jackson. Brian Jackson opted not to attend this event, unfortunately. Um, had uh, efforts to uh, reach out to him in the lead up, couldn't get any sort of uh, communication. Um, and then uh, on the day of the show, uh, we finally did get some commu- communication. He let us know he was not attending and was uh, there was a whole big to-do. Um, a lot of threats uh, shot back and forth. And uh, so it's safe to say you won't be seeing Brian Jackson anywhere near a Valor uh, event anytime soon. Um Unfortunately for Dan Bailey, uh, he will not be making that pro debut this time, and hopefully we'll get to see him at the next pro show, uh, finally getting to to make that pro jump. Uh, Greg, you know, uh, you didn't really have a dog in this fight, but it certainly uh, you could see that it was a disappointing situation for uh, Dan Bailey, a guy you've called a lot of his fights. Yeah, I feel really bad for Dan Bailey, especially not knowing – up until the day of that you're not fighting, like the day of that you make away and um, just a uh, real head hanger, uh, jaw dropper too. Uh, I mean, if Brian didn't know he wasn't going to be there, if he did know he was going to be there, he wasn't going to make away. He had some kind of excuse or if he started trying, maybe let somebody know earlier in the week, hey, I'm not going to be there. Like, you know, something you could have maybe have uh, uh, salvaged what relationship you could have had good with Valor. But up until the point of no, I'm as a disappointment for for both parties. I hate it for both guys, really. So unfortunately, no points awarded in that fight because it didn't happen. The next fight did though, and that was referees going to battle. It was Chris Bond, the Honey Badger, making his pro debut against Real Steel Roy Sanders. And uh, man, this was uh, you know that. I think that, uh, well, Chris got the win with the rear naked choke in the first round, which was a little surprising to me. I thought if Chris was going to get him out of there, it would be with a TKO uh, or a decision. But, um, you know, nice performance from Chris. I think I, I read his Facebook post afterward. He wasn't super happy with his own performance. He thought he felt a little sloppy out there. Uh, Roy, I've talked to afterward as well, and he certainly wasn't happy with his performance. He felt like he just never got going out there, didn't feel, didn't feel right. And, um, wasn't able to, to perform like, like he wanted to. I, I will say, you know, Roy did seem out of sorts out there. It seemed like he was kind of, um, what's the word? He, he wasn't just as, you know, usually Roy is pretty composed out there. Even when he's going, he's going against like really, really, really tough top level prospects, um, where he's a huge underdog. He stays composed, and it seemed like he was a little more frantic out there in this one, and that played to Chris Bond's uh, favor, uh, and he gets the first-round win. Hannah, your thoughts on this one? Okay, I think Chris Bond was hungry when he went out there. You know, it's been a while since he's fought, and I feel like he just looked exceptionally well. Everything he did was so precise. I feel like um, roughing kind of he probably is the type of person that sits there and probably daydreams while he watches fights thinking if I was in this position what would I do I'd throw knees I would throw elbows and you know he did all all of them things and he just he looked like he, I mean a lot of people I think when we were talking about it said that he was maybe going to be a little bit frantic or you know um for where it's been so long 
where he's fought, but he looked like he was ready to eat Rory alive. And that, that might be one of the reason, reasons Rory was hesitating so much because he knew that Chris Bond was hungry to get in there and get some work done, and he did. Jeff, uh, these are two guys you've seen, uh, you know, at ref and shows from time to time. Uh, Chris Bond quite a bit. Uh, any surprise to you here to go about like you thought? No, no surprise to me because I picked Chris Bond to win. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think the surprise, too, we all kind of chuckled. Uh, you know, I think it was Hannah at first that uh, had picked first on this one and said submission. And I think we all had a, yeah. you know, a good laugh at her expense. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. We don't respond. Uh, you know, when Chris Bond submits somebody, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, and here we go. But, uh, you know, the thing is, Chris took what was there and uh, he uh, he saw an opportunity and uh, it shows Chris's skill that when he saw that opening, he took it. Uh, but I, I'm with you, uh, not just in the cage, but it seemed like uh, kind of all day. Uh, you know, Roy seemed great on weigh-in day. Like he was really, yeah. uh, really, really there and zoned in, but on, on fight day. And I don't know if it was the earlier start time. You know, uh, and, and that does mess with people. You hear, um, you know, hear uh, guys that I know in the UFC talk about when they go overseas and, you know, just the littlest difference in the norm. And, you know, when you're overseas and you're like, OK, we got to fight at 10 a.m., you know, it just, it just kind of throws you off. And I don't know. But, uh, yeah, but Roy kind of seemed off on fight day. Uh, and I don't know, maybe his, his mind was somewhere else. And, uh, but, um, you know, hats off to Chris, man. And. You know, like we talked in the uh, fight, it, you know, it, it's going to be hard for those uh, guys to fight anyone else and still hold their role as a as a referee and not be any type of, a, you know, a future conflict of interest or, you know, if you start fighting other guys that you're reffing. Uh, so this was a great opportunity for both of them to uh, get in there and showcase their skills and and not have to worry about that. Just let it all loose. And it was an emotional Chris Bond as well. You know, uh, he had a, mm-hmm. what seems like a, a an uncle that uh, he was really close with uh, pass away here recently. And uh, you see a lot of his uh, his fight banner, his gear and everything said, uh, you know, for fighting for Isaac, which was his uncle. And so, uh, you know, he was carrying a lot into that fight, uh, it seemed. Justin, uh, run down the picks there. The only, the only person to uh, pick Bond was Hobbs, but he went by decision. So no, no extra points there. Okay. Up next, it was our final prelim bout. Pro debuts for both these gentlemen. Sam McAlpin taking on Garrett Sharp. And uh, this fight, um, Garrett Sharp got the first round rear naked choke. Um, Man, made it look easy, honestly. I thought that we were going to get – this is my take here. Sam is very heavy-handed. And Sam has got that deceptive knockout power, which made him, you know, a live underdog in this fight, I thought. But Sam's uh, more successful when he makes things like a chaotic – like crazy brawl because that leaves you open to, to that, to that power. And it seemed like he was fighting, uh, trying to fight a lot more kind of composed, calculated fight here against a guy that comes from a a team that is, you know, posed and calculated in the way they fight. So uh, that, that obviously worked out in Gary Sharp's favor. I know Sam's looking to get back in there uh, and get that taste out of his mouth. So hopefully we'll get him back soon. And Garrett is uh, off and running on that pro career. Uh, Greg, your thoughts. Uh, I didn't get to see this one yet. My whole stream messed up earlier when I was trying to watch it on my phone, but that fight went about the way I thought it would go. The thing that surprised me was the weigh-ins uh, with Garrett and Sam, how they were kind of in each other's faces. Yeah, we got a little heat, didn't we? Have to get, I thought they were going to have to break them up right there. But I know how Sam is. And, and you know, and also, you know, 
from what I've seen from Gary, Garrett's a very respectful kind of guy, but he's also a young, you know, young 20 kind of buck, you know, that kind of, he's getting his face. He's going to start, you know, barking back at you. He's still a dog, you know? And, uh, I, that, that got me excited. I still have not got to see this fight, but I saw the highlights of how it ended and it ended about the way I thought it would with Garrett taking his back and, you know, submitting him. And that's about, about the gist of how I thought that one would go. Uh, Sam McAlpin starting his professional career upside down now, zero and one against a tough, tough opponent like Garrett Sharp. And I mean, Sam's well known. That's a good win to have <clears throat> under your belt if you're Garrett Sharp, especially as a you know, starting out your professional career one and zero against Sam McAlpin. You know, so that's impressive. I like it. And uh, you know, like you said, Sam's heavy-handed. If he hits you, he's got some deceptive power, and uh, he can knock you out. And Garrett was able to get through that and uh, duck under it. Take him out. Of course. Uh, how did we? Uh, how did we shake out there in the picks, Justin? Hobbs and Greg both took uh, sharp by submission, so taking all the points there. Oh, okay. Um, we've got heavyweights up next now. Who? We talked about on the podcast last week about what a specimen uh, Lorenzo Hood is, and uh, it doesn't do it justice uh, <laughs> when you're around the guy in person. He is a hoss. Taking on Jordan Seifser all the way from Wisconsin. He was also a pleasure to work with. I love working with both those guys. Very, very consummate professionals on both sides of that coin. And uh, looking forward to, to continuing that relationship. But it was Lorenzo Hood who was uh, actually surprised me and hit a big takedown on this one. And then delivered just some, just some devastating ground and pound that would is uh, making you just kind of cringe at cage side. Like, man. This guy is laying the hammers down. He moves to eleven and four now, and in my opinion, this guy is uh, is ready for an opportunity on the largest of stages. I want to talk to Jeff and Hannah both, but Hannah, did that size of Lorenzo Hood translate over to uh, your TV screen? Yeah, and uh, like I said, that was just an amazing fight. Like just watching them two guys, just so much power go at it and things, and just with every punch, he was just giving it everything that he had. Like that's why I'm glad that I'm don't have to fight at a weight class like that and I'm a female because I, I don't think I can handle them punches that well as uh, what the other guy did. So. Jeff, uh, this is a guy that you could very easily see uh, being in Bellator of the UFC. Yeah, well, I oh, mean, yeah. he's had a, he's had a shot in, in Bellator, hasn't he? He's, 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 he's been there, hasn't he? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, but definitely a return trip, if not if not more than that. Um, you know, this was an interesting fight for a lot of reasons. There was a lot, you know, obviously people at home, uh, you know, that aren't privy to things going on, you know, behind, the, you know, outside of the fight itself. There was a lot going on with this fight. Um, uh, one with the athletic commission and, and with the size uh, difference between each one and the weight difference. Um, so people, if you're listening and you fight heavyweight, uh, you, it, it's not just uh, in the state of Tennessee, at least it's not just a free for all now, uh, 206 up to 265 anymore. Um, you know, they, they've got that other weight class, the cruiser weight class in there now that uh, kind of messes things up with weight variances. So, um, you know, but uh, uh, Sicer, which crazy enough, that's how you pronounce it. He corrected me. Sicer, um, you know, ended up uh, being able to, uh, you know, make the weight that he needed to, which is crazy when we say make the weight at heavyweight. Um, but he was able to weigh heavy enough to compete. But the right. thing with Sicer was he didn't give a shit. 
He didn't care if Hood was 265, 266, and if he was just pushing the limit at 225, he didn't care. Um, it, it really meant zero to him. Uh, He's like, I fought bigger. Yeah, he was like, I fought bigger than that dude. Um, so it, it was it was great to see that that mindset um, going on. But it, it was scary there for a minute when you know we were waiting for Sizer to get to weigh-ins and because uh, he was flying in and uh, the commissioner says, uh, "Do you think he'll weigh at least this?" And we're all looking at each other like, "Why are we talking about weight? It's heavyweight. It's you know two oh six to two sixty six. You know." Uh, uh, so, um, you know, it was, uh, it was a great fight. Uh, what really sucks is, is that I had just stood on the scale just for shits and giggles the other day. And I weigh the same as Lorenzo hood. And as you can see, I look nothing like Lorenzo. Hood. <laughs> so, um, I got some work to fucking do. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah, I was like you, I was really surprised, uh, you know, that, uh, he went in for a takedown like that. Uh, you know, hood did take some damage. Apparently, uh, there was a clash of heads, uh, so I think he was a little shocked to see blood, uh, you know, coming from his face, but, uh, uh yeah, I, I, just don't see us as much as I enjoyed meeting Lorenzo hood and he was awesome to talk to, uh, get to know. I, I don't think we'll see him again. I don't think we'll have the opportunity to see him again. I hope not. <laughs> I hope he gets the call up, man. Uh, question Justin, is from a promoter standpoint, you had a, uh, what a Wisconsin and a Chicago, we get some buys from those areas. Did they have, we people? did. We okay, did. We if you watching. look, yeah, if you look at the uh, demographics for the buys, it is two very big, probably the two biggest hotspots, honestly, with the exception of just like literally right around us. Uh, nice. The biggest hotspots we had, which was uh, really cool to see. Nice. Yeah, so everybody took hood on that one. Hobbs and Greg both went with TKO, so they got the extra point. Hannah went with submission. Okay. Uh, up next is uh, one of the fights that uh, had fight of the night uh, potential. Man, this one was was crazy. It was Shlomo Boyd taking on Bad News Bubba Cruz. Bubba Cruz one and one. Shlomo Boyd making his pro debut. Um, man, tell you what, uh, these guys threw and they both landed some big shots. Uh, they both gassed uh, eventually. Uh, Bubba Cruz gassed real fast. Bubba, Bubba Cruz was gassed. It looked like within the first half of the first round, which um, gave Shlomo Boyd a lot of opportunities, but he wasn't able to close close the close the door on him. And we go to a second round, at which point Shlomo is beginning to slow down some as well, which actually made for some very entertaining exchanges. And then uh, out of nowhere, Bubba Cruz hits a spinning back fist that puts Shlomo out and it's game over. And that one punch knockout power of Bubba Cruz is still there. Even when he looks like he is uh, is so tired and can't do anything, that's still there. And he set it up too. like if you go back and you watch it, it wasn't just like this flailing uh, spinning back fist uh, Hail Mary attempt. If you go back and watch it, it was actually really, really pretty. Congrats to Bubba Cruz and uh, congrats to Shlomo Boyd on a nice pro debut. I don't think he lost any stock and, and both guys I'm excited to see back in there, hopefully with a little better cardio. Uh, Jeff Hobbs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but you know, one of my jobs when we get in the cage and talk afterwards is, you know, uh, keep it real and, and be honest. And I, I just, I've never seen Bubba Cruz look that bad. Uh, when it came to his cardio and his conditioning, um, we all knew he had power, but you're not lying. It was halfway through the first round. We both, you know, looked at each other and like he was taking the deepest breaths and I mean, exhaling everything he had. Um, and he gassed quick and, um, it allowed Shlomo to, uh, to really get in there. And, uh, you know, he was listening to his corner really well. He was, um, 
you know, Slomo's got to be sick to his stomach with his perform. You know, with how good a performance he had against such a game competitor, and you know, to come out on the losing end because he literally had done everything right. You know, um, there was just no way you can prepare for that. Um, spinning back fist. And, and the great thing was Bubba Cruz was the first one in the, in the cage afterwards to say, you know, I just didn't, I work a lot, you know, I work out of town uh, and I just didn't get to put uh, everything into this, uh, you know, fight that I usually do. And, and it showed, uh, but like you said, no stock loss on Shlomo Boyd, uh, other than he's probably going to take him a while to get over this one. Uh, he was definitely uh, very disappointed as he came to collect his check. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, Greg, your teammate above a cruise, uh, you uh, were, were there in the corner with him, and uh, obviously there in the lead up to the fight, uh, Bubba's admittedly. So it's not like you've got to spill the beans on him, but he admittedly didn't get the training in that he would uh, would have liked. I'm sure. Yeah, the the he had to work out of town a lot, and but I mean, every opportunity I believe that he did have while he was here, he was in the gym for the days. You know, to be fair, he was there, but outside of that, he was working and he weren't he wasn't training, and he did come in overweight. You know, and they had to change the weight and everything. But uh, I should have mentioned that you're right. Had, this fight ended up being yeah. a 170, not 165, like we had talked about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, you know, Bubba still, even though to make 170, had to cut, you know, almost 20 pounds because on the last fight, he thought he had cut too much weight, you know, and he didn't want to have that problem this time. And he, I think he's realized now that he's older, he's getting older now that his body can't handle a big, huge, huge water cut like that. And then you can't, then you can't expect to go out there and fight another debut professional fighter like Slava Boyd. And, and expect to be able to go five, three five minute rounds with no water or nothing in your system after you just cut twenty pounds, and uh, I think it uh, it all showed, you know, right there. And I don't think we'll see that mistake out of, out of Bubba again because uh, um, I don't know how many people were telling him to put his mask on after the fight while he was laying down almost dying. But <laughs> it's like they're like gasping for air, and they're like, "Hey man, when you're done." Uh, Almost dying. Can you put your mask on so nobody else dies? It was pretty. It was pretty funny. But did your uh, did your estimation of Slow Mo Boyd improve after this one? Yes, because I mean, if I'm not if I'm not wrong, I think uh, Slow Mo Boyd can make you know forty five or fifty five. You know, he's a fifty five. Yeah, he's a very yeah. He's a big, big old tall fifty five, and I think his stock rose. You know, he was able to take Bubba's back a couple times, and uh, just you know. I just think that the grid of Bubba was able to pull through right there. And uh, the spinning back fist is what lit it up, in my opinion, is what lit it up for my my, my team. You know, Gogi for the night is what set it off because, like, just the aura of what was going on and the atmosphere was not looking good. It was looking like it was going to be Chattanooga all over again because, mm-hmm. we were, you know, we went, we did horrible in Chattanooga. Worst showing we've ever had as a team ever. You know, we had four losses and and I just uh, I was like, no, you know, I mean, we we knew we thought Bubba was going to knock him out. You know, and if Bubba would have came prepared, he would have knocked him out in the first round, but he did. You know, he didn't. And but that spinning back fist was a Larry Scott special right there. And when he did it, everybody jumped up in there, and uh, I was excited. And it set it off for the night for us. Like it was awesome. Hannah, from home, uh, you know, you weren't expecting that. I'm sure watching that video uh, was that uh, was it uh, the kind of thing? Uh, even watching it, uh, you know, not live, that made you go, "Wow." 
Yeah, and I had my fiance watching it with me too, and he was just like, "Wow, that's crazy." I, I love doing the spinning back fist myself. As soon as somebody steps in, that's just one of the the go to things that have. It's, I feel like it has just such knockout power in it, and I feel like if both of them guys, if their cardio was like top notch, that that fight would have went all three rounds, and it would just it would have been just so entertaining. Uh, it Justin. still was entertaining, but yeah. <laughs> Justin, how we pick them? We got points everywhere. Everybody, Everybody with a point. By TKO. Wow, okay. And then in the, uh, up next was the feature bout. In my opinion, the fight of the night. Great, great battle here. It was Logan Neal taking on Nathan Ariaga. Uh, Ariaga came in heavy on this one, let's note, at 159 pounds. And uh, so Logan got a percentage of his purse. But, man, these guys really put on a show. Uh, it was, uh, to me, the best I've ever seen Logan Neal look. Uh, just really put it all together. His wrestling, uh, to me, has leveled up uh, tremendously and uh, showed great composure out there. And a uh, good fight IQ, I thought, out there as well against a really tough guy in the undefeated Nathan Ariaga, who came in at 3-0. and Great camp behind him with Nick Martino as his coach. Showed off some very uh, fun, unorthodox striking. Had the showtime kick off the cage. Uh, just really uh, a showman out there and a guy that I'm looking forward to having back in lots of fun matchups. Uh, already kind of being tossed out there. A fight with Charlie Alexander, which I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, you know, just what you said. We talked to Logan a lot after the fight. Uh while he was uh, waiting his turn to take a picture with Greg. And, uh, you know, a couple things that stood out. I mean, he was very uh, honest and, and humble in the in the fact that he said, you know, he just wanted the fight so bad. Uh, it didn't matter what the weight was, what the difference was going to be. He wasn't – he was thinking about the fight and the win so bad. Not, not, a, not a disrespectful way, but just he wasn't thinking. He, he just said – I, I didn't realize how tough Ariaga was going to be, you know, and it's weird. It's not to say that he was underestimating him, but he just wasn't thinking about it. He said, he said, I just, I was, I was, I had blinders, you know, I need this guy to step in because I need a dang win and I'm going to get me a win. And Ariaga's submission defense was on point. You know, Neil had his back so much of this fight uh, hooks in uh, locked in and Ariaga, you know, played it beautifully. Uh, he didn't panic when an arm went around his chin. He knew he was safe, so he was able to use his hands to, uh, you know, play with his ankles, play with his feet, get get the hooks out, uh, allowing him to turn back into Logan at times. Um, and, and Logan gave him a lot of uh, props for his submission defense. Um, Ariaga's tough, man. I just think, uh, you know, he's, he's got to make weight. You know, we, we told him that. You got to make weight because you've got, you know, you've got a future. Uh, you've got a future definitely with Valor if you want to come back, man. And we got, like you said, we got a lot of good fights uh, that we already have started as a promotion working on for Ariaga. But uh, you know, he's got to win that fight before the fight and uh, come in in, in better shape, uh, make weight because he just kind of reminds you of that. Uh, and again, I don't even know why we're. I'm worried about being politically correct because. This fucking group of people is nowhere near politically correct, but he's got that Mexican kind of mentality, you know, yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah. That, that toughness that you see in Hispanic fighters. And uh, that's what he reminded you of. Um, it looked good on his feet, but uh, like you hit the nail on the head, uh, Logan Neal wants to get back where he was and, and what he tasted. And he has he's gotten so serious, you could tell, you know, about getting back there. 
that uh, it's, it's exciting. If he sticks around uh, with us and, and doesn't get another shot uh, soon, you know, without letting the cat out of the bag, I mean, we have talked about just a few different scenarios this week that, uh, you know, a, a lot of these 155ers uh, could see themselves in here in the future, in the, in the next, you know, half year, six months, with some really exciting fights at this weight class. Yeah, some big opportunities as well, I think, to just kind of, uh, you know, be at the top of that division and, and, and get that crown, I think, as well. Uh, Greg, you were in the corner of Mr. Logan Neal, one of his main and your main training partners in the lead up to this. Uh, your thoughts on his performance and that that fight overall? Yeah, I was, uh, I, my, my, my take on the fight before it happened was this is, wasn't the greatest matchup for Logan Neal. And uh, he proved me wrong. I, I mean, of course, I think he's going to win. And, of course, I hope he's going to win. And, of course, I believe he will win. You know what I'm saying? But, like, when I was looking at it, I knew that Ariaga coming in was could, could, could bang. And it was – and brawling was not what we were wanting to get in with this guy. And they started brawling. And uh, Logan was standing toe-to-toe with him and eating what he was giving him. And uh, and Ariaga hit him with some shots. You know, harder shots than we've ever seen anybody hit Logan with. And uh, Logan stood there, and and then he ended up going into wrestling like we ain't really never seen Logan really do. And he, uh, I don't know how many shots he got off, if y'all were counting. I know there's over five five takedowns. He got a bunch in the whole fight. Mm. And uh, like you said, ring IQ was point on. Something happened backstage when Logan put his gloves on him. As soon as they taped him up and the commission signed off on him, and he started hitting mitts. He just kind of transitioned in from, you know, happy meal Neil to like super <laughs> focus. Like it's, it's, it's super, it's like, it's, it's go time. Like it's business. Let's go. I'm not losing this fight tonight. Like I'm going to make a statement. And he really did. Um, I, there wasn't, there wasn't at one point in time that I think that Logan was in trouble in the fight. Like, you know, I just didn't think, I thought the whole thing, there's, you know, there's t- certain points in times in every fight when you, you know, you're kind of pulling, literally leaning and hoping for the guy. The only time I really saw that was when Logan was getting guillotined from his takedowns, but but Logan was coming out of those. So, uh, fantastic fight. And Ariaga, yeah, if he starts making white men, and actually him and Charlie Alexander, I'd love to see that fight, man. I would like to see that one soon, as soon as possible, actually. So, yeah, get, get Ariaga, Ariaga is good at, at enticing you into that brawl. Yeah, he did. He did it to Logan, and and that's hard for me to get Logan to do that. Like he got Logan to play in his emotion, and I don't know if it's just when Logan fights if he plays into that when he actually has a fight. But I can't ever get him to do it in the gym. But he does it. He did it in his Bellator fight. That's how he got taken down. And he did it against Ariaga in this fight. He played into his emotions and just said, "We're going to bang," you know. And I'm just. It's one thing that Logan's going to get past, but I can't. I can't shed any light on him. And he did. He did fantastic for this fight. I was really proud of him. Ended up being a split decision for the record, guys. It was uh, two judges had it all three rounds for Neil. One judge had it two to one for Ariaga, which was questionable uh, at best. I thought that it was, you know, uh, it could have been three to nothing, Neil. But at the worst, I thought it was two to one, Neil. That's actually how I had it. If you were judging that one from home, Hannah, how did you have that one? Um, Neil looked completely dominant in all three rounds. Um, I really didn't see, just like Greg was saying, I I really didn't see uh, any part of the fight where he wasn't dominating. Um, He was, I mean, he stayed on him really tight. I know there for a while, while the whole crowd in his corners was screaming knees, knees, but I, um, I think he was just trying to maintain the position and 
he composed and, you know, work his submission. And um, it was a great fight. I feel like Neil dominated um, it the whole time. And the picks, Justin. Everybody picked Neil on that one. No one took decision, though. Interesting. Um, okay, uh, co-main event. Now, this one, uh, this one uh, did well. Actually, before we get on to the co-main event, Justin, you judged this one, and you were one of the two judges in the majority uh, that had all three rounds for Neil. Uh, was there any surprise when they, uh, when the, you know, you kind of know the cadence of the announcer when he starts by saying that judge number one had it a certain way. <clears throat> Neil, you kind of know that the next one is probably not going to be going that way. Uh, did you, whereas, uh, were you, did you start, uh, did your ears perk up? Yeah, man, my eyes opened up real big and, um, I had to go find out how, how that was scored that way afterwards. I mean, I wouldn't be upset with, with one round for Ariaga, but more than that, I, I don't, I just don't see how you could possibly get to come to that conclusion. I think, you know, Logan took some shots, but, in every round, I think he had dominant position in in well over the majority of the round, and the total striking count was pretty close, probably. Uh, and Logan was in dominant position most of the time. So I, I thought Logan won all three rounds pretty easily. Um, the couple times he was in a bad position, he you know found a way to get out of it and, and secure his top position again. So uh, that was a weird one. Go ahead and let me say it's a uh, it's hard keeping that poker face uh, getting in the cage and trying not to make eye contact. Right, uh, I'm sure. Or you, or you do make eye contact, but it meant nothing. But you can tell the person that you looked at thinks it meant something. Uh-huh. So it, it's a weird position to be in. How did they? Uh, okay, well, let's go on to the we're on to the co-main event. This was another decision fight, but uh, this one much more wide as it was uh, the Southpaw Outlaw Serena De Jesus making the trip all the way out here from Las Vegas, training with Syndicate MMA, as she gets a wide decision win over the always tough Roadhouse uh, Christina Adcock Ricker, and uh, man, uh, you know Serena De Jesus was just in a different zone uh it was almost like she was programmed to uh fight just dare i say near the perfect fight um every time that uh that that christina uh, threw she was uh moving and countering and and was and ricker was uh, just unable to get those takedowns that they wanted and uh hey susa had her busted up after the first round, there was some pretty good blood flowing. But uh, to Ricker's uh, credit, she never stopped coming forward, man. I mean, she took some tough shots and really showed a lot of grit. One of those performances where she probably leaves with more fans still, even though she had to take the L. Uh, we'll go to Hannah first, since uh, you're our, our female on the panel. Your uh, your thoughts on this? And that was a, that was a unanimous decision, by the way. It was thirty twenty six actually on all the cards. I, I I feel like everything you said is pretty much, you know, what I was thinking and how it went. Every time Christina would try to teep or throw something, um, Serena would, like, counter it or catch it. Um, and then Christina, she kept trying to go for the takedown. Um, I know in the third round, when they started out, I, I feel like she, Christina looked better in that round at the beginning of the round than any other round. She just came in there with so much power and, like, so much confidence in the third round. And I know she got um, cut pretty badly in the first round. Um, in the second round, I think that affected her performance a little bit. But then in the third round, I just I felt like she did best, um, saved the best for last. And she's just got such a strong mentality. Like it's it's hard to see that in a lot of fighters that compete. So because that's one thing that a lot of people might have 
great technique and great cardio, but you also have to have that mental mentality to fight. And I feel like Christina Ricker has that. I don't think there's any questioning that. That's for sure. And I'll agree with you. That third round, um, you heard Eric Turner in the corner say, if you, you have to finish this fight if you want to win. You got to. And uh, that first minute of that third round, uh, first minute, minute and a half, Ricker really came out there guns blazing and, and started having a little bit of success. A little bit too little, too late, unfortunately. Uh, Hobbs, your take. Yeah, that's exactly, uh, you know, the point I was going to make is not to take anything away from Christina uh, Adcock, but a lot of what you saw in that third round was was her coach. It was her, it was the instruction in between rounds. It was the coaching. It was that fire that, uh, you know, her coaches lit under her, like you said, just screaming at her, you know, you have to finish this. You've lost two rounds. The only way you walk out of here is with, you know, was with a finish. And, and she went after it. Um, that first two minutes of the third round, uh, I mean, she won the first two minutes, I would say, of the third round um, with just pure determination and, and grit. But, you know, at one point when um, when uh, Serena just hit another, you know, straight right or straight left or, you know, whatever it was, it just you saw kind of the the kind of turn and, you know, look away just like shit that really hurt you know like it i think it all just came rushing back to her on how you know hard or how much that fight had taken a toll on her body um and so the the second half of that that third round you know we saw pretty much what we saw the first two rounds but i mean there is no doubt every freaking time we have females on the card you know they steal the show there's just it's a it's a guarantee uh if you're on a card with female fighters on the card, uh, you're already in a hole if you're trying to get fight of the night because the females freaking bring it. And there was so many times in that fight. I mean, after the first round, in between first and second and second and third, I mean, the doctor came in. So kudos to Mark Laws for being able to keep that cut closed uh, and keep that fight going. I think that's understated right there uh, because the doctor came in both times to look at it. And it was in a bad spot and it was a thick you know, wide opening on her eye. So um, the fact that it actually became a non-factor as far as ending the fight, you got to give Mark credit for the work that he did uh, in between rounds. But, uh, man, stole the show, dude. Yeah, both of them were pushing forward the whole time. Both of them were staying in the pocket and made it a really, really good fight. Yeah, I agree. I thought uh, Jesus was great to work with, too. She's uh, very professional and it's going to take, you know, to, to knock her off. You know, her record is very deceptive. And coming in at one and two, got to look at who she's fought. She's fought uh, Invicta, you know, and and even though she, uh, you know, has been upside down, she's been against like very high level competition. She's training with super high level competition out there, especially the females at Syndicate, Roxanne Monteferi and many more. Uh, so it's going to take, in my opinion, a an, a plus athlete that can uh, that can get in there and collapse the pocket and get those takedowns on her, uh, you know, for her to be in trouble. Uh, let's move on. Oh, well, before we do, what's uh, what's the scores on on that? Uh, Greg and Hannah both took De Jesus. Greg got the extra point with the decision. All right. 
main event time, and this was a rematch for that Valor 170 championship that Asian Persuasion Jason King taking on Greg Hopkins, our very own here. And uh, man, a lot of talk going into this one, a lot of hype, a lot of expectations and anticipations. And it was uh, it was one of those not, uh, fights where that you know the crowd was definitely hype and electric and just had that good vibe coming into it. Um, and uh, these guys even uh, exchanged some uh, pleasantries at the weigh-ins. Uh, Greg presenting uh, Jason with a, a rose and a trophy and uh, in, in, in return, return getting a, a Zaxby's gift card. So uh, both these guys with uh, some pleasantries, I guess you would say, in the lead-up. Uh, this one was, uh, you know... Uh, it started off very similar to the to the first fight. Uh, Greg ate a couple of big shots, uh, big kicks that had the, those oohs and ahs coming from the crowd, but didn't really uh, didn't let it deter him from his forward progress. You know, we had uh, some moments in the clinch against the cage, uh, and then there was uh, finally a takedown from Greg. And he managed to get the back and then pound Jason out. Um, in the first round and get that strap uh first and foremost let's go to greg you know uh you know congratulations first of all champ and uh you know i know you were uh very very pleased to get that win and uh, get that strap uh, talk about the fight and uh you know just your overall uh take on the on, on the home motherfucker yeah just uh like i said starting off that night when Bubba cruz got that spinning back fist and then followed up with Logan Neal coming in with that impressive, you know, just dominant victory. I came in, I just, I just, uh, I couldn't come in and be the last guy. There was a lot more pressure too on me on the team. Like I was like, I don't want to leave the night with a loss. Like I just, uh, and then on top of everything, I started started getting myself amped up about how, like, you know, I remember, you know, what happened the last time in the fight and everything, and I just knew I needed to hit Jason with with the same shot, just you know, set the tone of the fight and. You know, I wasn't expecting it to connect off the rip, but uh, from from the go, I kind of stepped to the side and not a lot of head movement from me all the time, but I did move my head a little bit and I just actually fell off center of his punch and I came through and I hit him and it set the tone and I think deja vu stayed in for him and I was able to connect him a few more times and hold him in the clinch. He did connect with a few kicks and he connected with a knee to the face when he had when we were against Cage at one point in time, but I uh, I finally got it. When he was he kept trying to do it over and under with me and, and hold me there, and I was like, I don't know how long he plans on staying in this position, but this is 150% to my advantage as long as he wants to hold this. So I'm going to go ahead and try to dump him. And when he grabbed it again after he had tried that spinning, spinning back kick and I ducked it that second time, and we locked up under and over, he pushed in, and as soon as he did, I threw him to his back. And when I landed, I landed right against the cage into my corner, and I could hear Sterling in the corner saying, same thing as last time, same thing as last time. You got side control, just relax. And I was like, no, because he's not going to bridge this time because I got the cage right here to stop him. So I jumped heavy, heavy on the uh, on the mount, and he didn't try to bridge because I, <clears throat> I was just heavy right there. He wasn't going to try to bridge, and that's when I hit him with one elbow. And then he started to cover up, and that's when he tried to use the cage to walk around. I don't know if you remember my analysis – that I gave you guys on my birthday with the uh, dry race board, but it was basically on dead point how I said the fight would end up going. And, uh, but uh, I really enjoyed it. And the best thing, the best thing about that fight was that I, like he didn't run for me. Like when I was in school and I wrestled and stuff, there's a lot of people that didn't want to wrestle me because I was, I worked hard and I was good, but like Jason didn't run for me from me on this fight and, and he didn't have to take this fight. And I respected him for that. And, uh, 
uh, I'm glad this one's out of the way, and I'm glad I ended up, you know, redeeming that 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 loss, you know, with a victory. Hannah, your take on this one? Yeah, like like Greg said, I'm very happy that he got to have a rematch um, against Jason and things like that. I felt Jason I feel like Jason was trying to keep the distance with you know his long limbs and kicks and things. And as soon as he came in and was trying to clinch up, Greg countered it and threw him, took it to ground, did his work, and finished the job. So he got it done. <laughs> and uh, Hobbs, we'll finish it up with you. This is our last uh, last fight, last analysis. Uh, your take, this thing is finally over. It's settled. Uh, looks like these guys squashed it in the cage. And uh, little old Greg Hopkins is your Valor champion. Yeah, absolutely is. Um, can't take it away from him, man. Like I you know, talked to him in, in the cage afterwards was uh, uh, the goal had to have been to leave no doubt. And, and there was nothing to, uh, you know, to doubt the victory this time. There was no, nothing hanging over it, nothing lingering over it, no gray area. Um, <clears throat> you know, from an outsider looking in and, you know, just being objective, uh, man, I don't know. It's kind of a letdown for me. If you really want to know the truth, um, I didn't feel that, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain the feeling I had from for me. It kind of, kind of felt anticlimactic really. Um, and I guess I really don't have a lot of comments more as, as like questions for Greg really. Um, did he kind of feel like, like Jason didn't want to be there? You know, I don't even know if that sounds right. If that's disrespectful to say, because you know, we all definitely give him props for coming in and, and accepting the rematch and, and going through with it. But, um, if I, I may, know, just something. I may interject real quick. Sorry, Hobbs. If yeah. I could, I think maybe putting it like this may be the best way to put it. I think that Greg hit him with a lot harder shot the first time around that had him a lot more hurt, but yet we saw a lot more fight back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, like I said, it was almost like, I don't know, just to me, it felt like it was such a relief for Jason that this whole situation was done, you know, from start to finish, just the fight, the the buildup, the animosity, it was just like, you know, a, a relief that this thing is behind us now. Um, you know, not that there's much is going to be, you know, be able to do flattened out, you know, on his stomach. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I just I want him to get up on his knees to post up, go ahead, let him take him out, just move, you know, try to mm. uh, try to do something, try to try to move. Uh, it, at least well, look I, like you're trying to get out of it. Let me get in on this real quick. <clears throat> Going into the weigh-ins and stuff, you know, um, you know, we, had, me and Jason had our face-to-face interview, and he had mentioned in the prior podcast that, like, you know, he he could care less of whether we squashed or not, but you know, any kind of beef that me and him he might have, but the fact that he made the he made the comment that he did want to squash it made me think that he did want to squash it. So I tried to keep the heat going with the, with the Rose of the Academy award trophy at the weigh-ins. And that wasn't, we didn't do, that wasn't planned. I didn't know he was going to uh, give me a Zaxby's gift card because that was a slick fat joke coming from the fitness, you know, <laughs> fitness buff. you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, he is a nutritionist and everything. So he, I mean, I don't, I just don't really see that, uh, you know, Jason King eating at Zaxby's a whole lot. I don't reckon. And the fact that he went out of his way to Did it have money on it, though? That's my question. 
Well, listen, that's one of the things I've already lost the son of a bitch. I can't find it anywhere oh, no. because I mean, I, I, you know, we we had so many, we had so many bags when we came in to Nuts when everything and all of our stuff together for the nights for the nights we were there. I, we we haven't found it because we're gonna go, and that's what I'm saying. If it's if, it's, if there is no money on it. I think I'm just going to donate it to a charity in his name because the receipt's still on there, and then they can just go back to him and say, hey, you asshole. But anyways, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but with that being said, um, that was uh, – I'm, 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 have have, I'm funny. I like to laugh. A good laugh makes – it goes a long way with me, and if you can make me laugh, I, I don't know. I like you, I guess. And that's the first time Jason ever made me laugh because that was a really good, sweet, fat joke, and I liked it, you know. <laughs> And, uh, Let me ask you a question, like though, Greg. Yeah. When it comes to the when it comes to the fight itself, because uh, you, like I said, you absolutely left no doubt who the winner was in this fight. But there was one part of the fight that uh, from from the other corner that that raised questions uh, oh, yes, after yes. the that that continued after the fight, and that was a grabbing of the fence. Uh, I, I have not gotten a chance to go back. Uh, I've gotten the link to watch the fight. I haven't gone back. But it, you know, it sounds like others did look at the replay after the, you know, after the show had ended. Do you remember the 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 scenario that that the uh, uh, that the fence grabbing, uh, quote unquote, you know, that scenario? Do you remember the the process that you were going through yeah, at that time? I remember. Yeah, I remember exactly. Yeah, that's when he had me over under, and that's when I was wondering when he was going to do that because he did that that duck under, and he started pushing me over to the side, and my hands were rubbing against the fence, and I pushed off the fence. And my fingers went into the fence, but I didn't grab it, and it put it just it did stop the momentum of us going that way. But I wasn't going down. I don't know why it was such a big. It was just something that they wanted to. I didn't even notice it, so I don't. But well, with it being said, we were talking about it being an anticlimactic ending. I did, I did, however, know going into the fight there was there was the job for me to get done, and I didn't want to leave no doubt in my mind. And whenever I was able to get Jason in that mountain position, he was dead leg. And I want, and if you if you wonder why he was like, it looked like he gave up and he just kind of lost lost every all ambition and motivation to do anything. You know, I worked him against the cage every the whole time. I was throwing knees or I was throwing uppercuts. He got hit with about six good rights. You know, and I hit him with a, a left uppercut once, and he took some he took some punishment that you didn't see inside the fight. You know, and then. Remember all the kicks he hit me with? He hit me with some solid kicks. He hit me with about four or five kicks. My whole body was, you know, sore the next morning. The adrenaline was kicking in. But he did all that in less than two minutes. So he was working really hard. I was working really hard. And when we got to the ground, well, I wasn't 170 pounds during that fight. And whenever he tried to roll around and I scooped my legs in and I got both hooks in, I mean, I'm a collegiate. I was a collegiate wrestler. I, I, I beat some of the best kids in the country with my leg riding skills. And I, when, if you look at his back and you can ask Jason how his back feels after that fight, because as soon as I got my legs in, he wasn't getting out. I started crunching down like really hard. And, uh, I will go ahead and add this since we're on the subject. I will say I did happen to finish him faster than Raymond Daniel did in Bellator. I want to say that. <laughs> What's the record? Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, man, it was uh, it was uh, definitely uh, uh, a great night for a Gogi. Uh, Gogi goes three and zero, picks up some momentum going into twenty twenty one, and uh, that will uh, get our twenty twenty one started as well. As we'll uh, uh, get our picks panel underway, we'll bring everybody back before the Valor seventy eight card, which is going to be February the fifth, and we'll have a whole lot of fights to cover for that one, guys. So uh, be ready. Five title fights on that one. So uh, excited for. Uh, for, for that event and uh with that we will we will let greg and hannah go as uh we get ready to uh, uh seg into our ufc talk segment thanks so much y'all for joining us and we will talk to y'all before uh, the next all right. show all right have a good night all right thanks so much to greg hopkins and hannah rosario for joining us for that recap we'll keep jeff and justin on as we finish up the show with some ufc talk it's been a few weeks since we've gotten to uh to dive into some UFC action. And now the UFC brings us three fights over the next week. Of course, we'll talk about next Saturday's event next week, but uh, tonight we'll hit the events coming up uh, this Saturday. We've got UFC fight Island, Uh, of course, um, an early start time. It'll be in the middle of the day for us here in the States. And uh, this first card is headlined. uh, It's a pretty good one, man. It's a, it's a solid main event. We've got uh, Max Holloway, taking on Calvin Cater, and that's going to be an all-action fight, guys. You know, that's both these guys really bring it. We've got Max Holloway coming off of uh, two consecutive losses to Alex Volkanovsky, although arguably a lot of people thought he won this last one, uh, myself included. So uh, still fighting at a high level uh, against the top in the world, even though he's he's lost two in a row, taking on uh, a guy who's uh, coming in hot with a couple wins in a row over Dan Ige. Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Cater, and uh, the winner of this one, I would imagine, is going to be lined up for a title fight at some point in 2021. Um, Max Holloway getting the respect from the odds makers at minus 150. Uh, obviously, with his pedigree, I think that this is a close fight, though. Calvin Cater at plus 130 is a live dog. I think this could be five rounds of all-out war. I still lean Max Holloway, but Cater is certainly a live dog. Uh, I'll go to both of you guys for your thoughts on uh, this main event, and then we'll kind of pick and choose from there. Uh, Justin, uh, your thoughts on this uh, main event as we get back into action finally with the UFC. This is the first ever card on ABC, by the way. Yeah, I think, you know, it's flawless matchmaking for this first fight on ABC. Like like you said, I think there's going to be five rounds of, of all action. Um, neither one of these guys go away. Calvin Cater comes and he throws hard. He's got excellent boxing. He never seems to get tired. Um, Max usually has the range in there uh, and, and, you know, is really good at keeping his distance and, and picking his shots. Um, but this is going to be a crazy fight, man. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. And I feel like Max will be able to edge out a decision. But, you know, Calvin Cater's on the rise and it's only a matter of time before he fights for the title one way or the other. Jeff, uh, your thoughts? Yeah, man. Uh, what'd you say the odds were on that? Minus what for Holloway? Yeah, minus 150 for Holloway, plus 130 for, for Cater. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I feel Cater's got uh, a better shot than the odds would say. Yeah. Um, I like this kid a lot, man. Um, but, I, you know, it's, I always talk about OGs, and, and Max Holloway is one of those OGs, man. I mean, um, arguably, you know, that uh, last uh, the title fight, he, I, I, I feel he won. Um, but Cater's hot, man. I, I think I'm going to have to go with Cater on that one. I just think uh, he's the young, up-and-coming guy. Uh, maybe a little bit of a passing of the torch might be what we see uh, in that main event, but um, hell of a matchmaking uh, job on this card for ABC. 
co-main event. Now, this is, you know, speaking of OGs, here's your your OGs right here. Uh, Carlos Condit takes on Matt Brown at welterweight. Uh, both these guys in the twilights of their career. My last time out for Matt Brown getting knocked out uh, by uh, up and comer. Uh, uh, was it a uh, Baez uh, that knocked him out last time? I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but it, but he had his moments. And of course, he's always a dangerous guy. Carlos Condit actually coming off a win, his first win since 2015, uh, as he got a uh, decision last time out over Court, uh, Court McGee, I think. So uh, Condit coming in with a little bit of steam here. And he fought uh, like a measured fight uh, in that last one. You know, he wasn't just balls to the wall like you kind of seen him in the past. Uh, odds makers on this one make uh, Condit the favorite, about minus 170 seems to be the median uh, odds there with Matt Brown coming back some somewhere in the room, plus 140. Uh, Eileen Carlos Condit here, of course, Brown is, is dangerous with his power, but I think Condit, if he fights kind of more that measured approach like we just saw him fighting the last time out, I think he's kind of going to extend his shelf life here. Uh, Jeff, your uh, thoughts on the co-main event? Yeah, uh, definitely OGs, man, but these two guys are just like savages, though. They always have been. Uh, two legends in the sport. Uh, it's crazy like they've it's, never fought before. I know, man. And that's why I see um, – you know, I see this a little more competitive than, you know, um, the last time Brown was in, he was one with Saunders and Sanchez. Um, you know, two guys definitely. We already heard that Sanchez is on his way out. Sanders didn't stick around long after that. But, you know, I think Condit and Brown are going to give the people a show. Brown's 40 years old now, uh, and he's been in a lot of wars. I think, uh, I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm predicting – you know, a good stand-up war, but I'm really intrigued about what might happen on the ground because Brown's jiu-jitsu is really good, but Condit's defense, I think, is underrated as well. Uh, he's not bad on the ground at all. Um, I don't know. I feel like Condit's still got a little more in the tank, maybe, than Brown does. Um, I mean, Condit back in what, 2012 or 13 or something like that. I mean, he was fighting George St. Pierre for a title. Yeah, know? absolutely. Um, and wasn't it a fight with, yeah, Rory McDonald. Oh God, that fight. Um, I, you know, this is going to be just one of those just savage fights. I think both guys are at that position in their career where they don't know how much longer they're going to do this or really probably don't know how much longer uh, they're going to be kept around if, if another loss is on the record. So I see this fight as being one of those, like I'm going out on my shield type fights where they're going to give the crowd, uh, especially an ABC crowd for the first time ever. Um, they're going to give the crowd a show. Um, but I definitely still see Condit probably coming out ahead on this one. Justin, any take here? Man, this fight would have been nuts in 2014. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's still going to be fun. You know, I think, it's, it's going to be a different fight with with both guys being older. They're not going to be as as wild. I think they are going to be a little more reserved um, in there. But, man, I can't wait for this fight. I watched the interviews, and Matt Brown is pretty convinced that he's going to dominate the fight. Carlos said, look, I'm fucking him up, man. I'm going to knock Matt Brown out. So um, I expect fireworks uh, for as long as this one lasts. Feature bout. This is a fun one here. It's been a while since we've seen this guy, Santiago Ponzinibbio. It's been over two years since we have seen him in the octagon. But, man, he was coming. He was on a hot streak, you know. I mean, he was really tearing it up, making his return now. He's had a lot of injury setbacks over the last two years, taking on uh, Li Jing Lang, the leech, uh, China's top prospect, I guess, in the male division anyway. Um, 
another good fight here. I think this, uh, this is an entertaining one as they have Ponzinibbio uh, as a pretty sizable favorite, minus 300. Lee coming back at plus 240 to plus 245-ish. Um, man, I, I I was pretty high on Ponzinibbio, but the layoff, it certainly has me a little uh, wary of laying that kind of chalk at minus 300. We know that the leech... Li Jing Lang has got good power, so I might take a flyer at him at plus two forty. Just see what happens. Uh, Justin, your your thoughts, man. You want to talk about just adversity and bad luck? Like you said, Ponzinibbio was on like a five seven seven fight win streak or something like that. I think mm-hmm. and, you know had just taken out Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry, Neil Magny. Um, it was on a you know on the quick rise, and then he gets this this uh, infection that damn near kills him. He's in the hospital for months, you know, and um, I think he got another fight rebooked and broke a foot or something like that, but uh, finally back. But Lee Jing Liang is no pushover, man. I mean, um, I think that, you know, if they were, if these guys would have fought when Ponzinibbio was, was super active, it would have been, wouldn't have been a super competitive fight, but I think that the layoff does, will play a factor in there. Um, Lee Jing Liang has, you know, good wrestling, good stand up. Um, so I think he, he may be able to, to dictate where the fight goes. Um, but Ponzinibbio is looking to knock him out. So um, I, I don't think that one will go the full the full fight. All right. Rounding out the main card, two more fights. It's uh, uh, Joaquin Buckley, man. Uh, Joaquin Buckley, he's uh, he's got the he's got the rocket attached to him right now. Coming out there with a big knockout, remember, over Impa Kasagane. Casagani, uh, I'm sorry. Um, of course, uh, he's got that beef going with James Krause, so I think Buckley's a guy that they're really trying to push here. Taking on Alessio DiCirico, the Italian, 12-5. and five. Uh, They've got Buckley as a pretty sizable favorite, minus 260. I think that may be starting to get a little too high to like have value anyway. I think the the, the, the word's out on Buckley, so I may just ride that one out. Also, Puna, we got two... Uh, Two undefeated guys kicking off the main card. Puna Haley Soriano undefeated at seven and zero, taking on Dusko Todorovic ten and zero. I think uh, both these guys are pretty high, highly prized prospects. Todorovic may be the guy the UFC wants to push a little more, uh, and he is the betting favorite minus one fifty five with Soriano coming back at plus one thirty five. Uh, Justin, you had to take on that one, right? Yeah, man. I think that um, you know Soriano's he's not a heavy dog in this one, but. Um, he is an underdog and probably a, a good underdog play. Um, there's they're pretty close in height. I think Soriano is going to have a little bit more power. Um, like I said, both these guys undefeated, but Soriano is is, is a, a, a monster. I think that he's going to go out there and get the victory here. The undercard. Uh, let's see. This is a ESPN Plus undercard. Um, six bouts. You got super prospect Phil Hawes, uh, minus 130 over uh, Nasruddin Imabov. Uh, Hawes, they think so highly of him. They brought him in and gave him his UFC debut on the undercard of the pay-per-view and gave him a jobber for him to knock out in like 13 seconds. So uh, he's, you know, he's the guy with the the heat behind him. We've got uh, Wu Yanan out of China uh, in a pick-em fight over uh, late replacement Jocelyn Edwards, who's in for Betch Cahaya. who had like an emergency appendectomy like a week ago. So uh, that's pretty much a pick and fight. That could be a good action fight. Heavyweights, uh, Carlos Felipe, minus 190 over Justin Tafa, plus 165. Uh, we've got the Russian, Ramazan, Imaev, minus 260 over David Zawade, plus 220. Sarah Maras, minus 220 over Vanessa Mello, plus 180. And then opening up the card, we have got 
Tennessee fighter, Valor vet at that. Jacob the Killer Kilburn looks to bounce back from his UFC debut loss to Billy Q, uh, taking on Austin Lingo, who is looking to bounce back from his UFC debut uh, loss to uh, Yusuf Zalaf. So uh, both those guys lost to guys that are, you know, very, very solid featherweights. Lingo the favorite here, minus 220 with the Kilburn back at plus 180. Hobbs, uh, Kilburn from out your neck of the woods. Yeah, um, I think the odds have it right, though. Um, you know, as much as, you know, we, I, we all do. We all love, uh, you know, rooting for our Tennessee guys and want to see them do well, man. But I just think this is a, uh, a kind of a no-win situation for um, for Kilburn, really. I mean, it's, it's, it's like there's good news and there's bad news. And the, the bad news is, or I'd say the good news is, is that Lingo's not going to take him down to the ground and expose – what the deficiencies uh, right? yeah what billy exposed on him and you know but the bad news is is that means lingo is going to stand and be just throwing bombs at him uh which is also not good so you know i just don't see either scenario because the thing is is kilburn is not he's not afraid to trade and right you know much to his detriment, you know, this is not a guy. Uh, Lingo hits just too fucking hard uh, for Kilburn to stand in there. Uh, I think Kilburn's reach advantage is just, it means nothing in this one. Uh, so I think he's going to have to pick his poison. And I just don't know which one is the better one to pick right now. Uh, I, I think, uh, like I said, I think the odds makers have this one uh, pretty spot on. And, and I hate that Kilburn's an awesome, you know, human being. Um, I just I, I just don't know um, I just don't know right now about his UFC career. Tell you what, even if you didn't want to make a play fading Kilburn here at uh, minus two twenty on Lingo, the under two and a half rounds is essentially even money. And I, I think, I that think that's, that's spot on. I yeah, don't think it's getting out of the front. No, I don't. Yeah. I think either way it goes. I mean, because Kilburn's got pop. If, if Kilburn's gonna win, he's gonna knock him out. Um, you know, so I think the under two and a half rounds is. At even money is like, man, hammer that. I'm glad you told me because I may just pull up another tab right now. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that just feels like either way it goes, I think we're going to get a finish, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, right on. Okay, that's the UFC on ABC number one. Real quickly, let's uh, dive into this other card. It's a Wednesday card. Not the strongest offering, but I'll be I'll have action on it because it's a Wednesday night and I love to gamble. Uh, it is an ESPN Plus card. Highlighted my Mike Chiesa taking on Neil Magny um, in the main event at welterweight. Both these guys have got some momentum behind them, both uh, similarly built, tall, rangy guys. Um, I actually like the main event okay, to tell you the truth. This is uh, this is, this is an interesting fight, I think, you know. And, uh, of course, uh, it's more or less a pick uh, Magny is the slight favorite by minus 130, and Kiesa coming back at plus 110, so uh, negligible. Um, you know, that's, uh, to me, uh, I kind of like Kiesa here, I think, but uh, I, it's still the jury's out. I think I wouldn't, I would tread lightly here. Also on the main card, Worley Alves takes on Marnier Lazez. Last time out, we saw him welcoming back uh, Al uh, Razak Al Hassan from his several year uh, layoff, and he really made him look not very good out there. Uh, Larone Murphy takes on Douglas Andrade, Roxanne Montaferi. Her teammate just competed this past weekend on Valor, taking on Viviani Arujao. Ike Villanueva takes on Vinicius Morea in the other main card bout. Justin, anything on this main card? Um, <clears throat> I like the main event. I mean, I think that the skill-wise, you know, these are pretty pretty comparable guys. 
Um, so you'll probably have a good fight there. Uh, the other fight that I like is Tyson Nam and uh, Matt Chanel. Uh, both these guys are, you know, in the flyweight division. It's not a super stacked division. Um, so, you know, a good win will put them, I think, up there in the top, you know, seven, eight probably. Um, and like I said, I think both these guys are super durable. Uh, Matt Chanel's probably got the better ground game, but Tyson Nam has a bomb for a right hand. Um, so I think that's going to be a fun fight to watch. Anything on this card uh, stand out to you, Hobbs? Uh, it's a lot. It's a very international uh, flavor to it. Yeah, uh, exactly what Justin said. The two fights that you know most interest me are the uh, the, the, the main event, uh, Kiesa and Magny, and then the Schnell Tyson Nam. I think uh, those two guys are right in still in their prime, uh, still in the heat of things in that division. Uh, so those are the two. Now, individually, I always like watching uh, Mataferi compete just because, again, it's just one of those real likable uh, characters. Um, and I like Ricky Simon. I like Ricky Simon yeah. uh, also. Yeah, so, um, you know, those are two individual fighters. Uh, it's hard to really kind of sink my teeth or get uh, move the needle on some of the matchups, like you said, with such an international feel to most of them and uh, not real household names that uh, – uh, you know, you spend a lot of time researching. So, uh, main event, Schnell Dan, and like I said, I, I, I watch uh, Mataferi and Simon just because I'm fans of theirs. I like I like their game. And that is the UFC uh, from Fight Island, the second installment. It's a uh, number eight actually overall, but the the middle tier uh, middle offering for the weekend. Before we get into the the Saturday uh, fight the, that comes up after that, and we'll preview that one next week, of course. And that's going to wrap it up, guys. We've got uh, we got about uh, we got the show in the books, and uh, you know, we, once again, we appreciate our panelists for joining us earlier, um, Greg Hopkins. Hannah Rosario as we recap Valor 77. Thanks so much also for uh, Jeff Hobbs and Justin Watson sitting in as we uh, went over the rest of the UFC business. We'll be back next week, guys. Uh, Once again, thank you everyone out there for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever it is you're listening, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, or any fine number of places to to listen to this this fine broadcast. And uh, and like our social media because uh, that helps a lot too. Uh, Once again, from my co-host Justin Watson, this is Tim Loy signing out for another edition of the Valor Hour. This is an MMA report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan. Quick fix on Radio Influence. We are on the verge of potentially a monumental moment in mixed martial arts, Daniel, and the fact of is John Nash, you know, Jason Cruz, Paul Gift, they have been doing a great job of talking about the developments in the antitrust lawsuit. I guess about, I don't know, week, week, week and a half ago, it came out that the judge was on the verge of unsealing retracted documents that were going to give us a, it was going to peel the onion back on what the MMA business looks like. Now, the UFC and Bellator, they are objecting to these documents being released, which I think we both know why that is. There's been fighters, media members, even fans that have wrote letters to the judge to say, please release us. Even a manager wrote a letter to this judge. Yeah, it's something where it's, you know, something is good for the MMA community when you have Bellator and UFC on the other side of it <laughs> in that, you know, it's good for the MMA community because that means that type of information 
is, is the information that the people cutting the checks don't want out because they might have to cut bigger checks is essentially what I'm thinking here, right? Like they're investing money in their legal defense because they don't want a flashlight on, on, on their records. And and I really hope that the um, the documents are unsealed. I really do. And this has been a long process. I mean, John Nash wrote a letter to this judge going back to 2018. And um, all I can say, man, is these stories are connected in that I, I think these types of stories, uh, the Morocco story, stuff like this, I mean, this shows you how valuable good MA journalism is because it communicates to fans information that either is dense from a judge standpoint or hard to obtain without long-term reporting like the Spencer Fisher. The MMA Report with Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.